What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. Welcome everybody to Halos in the Infield. My name is Fernando Mendez, the Lone Star Halo, joined here by our friend from Catella Chronicles, Dominic Lorenz. Dominic, how you doing today, my friend? What's up, everybody? Doing well, enjoying Angels baseball so far. I know later in the show, we'll talk a little hockey briefly. My heart's beating faster for the Ducks draft selection tomorrow afternoon, hoping to get that number one slot. But overall, not doing too bad. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about a ho- about a hockey. I mean, my Coyotes uh, also hoping to get a decent draft pick. Uh, so we'll get into all that. We'll talk a little bit about the Oakland A's relocation. Of course, we're going to talk about this series where our Angels got absolutely shellacked by the Texas Rangers in the bulk of the games. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Bally Sports West, what's going on there, and Jose Suarez. But before we get into any of that, if you need tickets to any event, Dominic, where are you going? 714 tickets, 714 tickets, 714 tickets. Yes, 714 tickets. Call today, go tonight. You never got to pay those pesky fees. And also, did you know that you can get 10% off, Dominic, if you use the code HITI, H-I-T-I at checkout? It's my favorite code in the world. HITI, H-I-T-I. H-I-T-I. Yep, there you go. The favorite code in the world. And the best thing, you can use it again and again and again. Just like J-Lo with engagement rings. It keeps on coming and it never ends. Throw another card in the merry-go-round, baby. And also, you get 5% back for future purchases. I've already used this code four times for different events. And uh, I've already gotten rewarded. I think I have like $11 or $12 worth of rewards. And you can either use the code HITI or you can use your rewards, whichever you want to use. So keep that in mind, Halo fam. And also while you're at it, why don't you like, subscribe, leave a comment down below, follow us on all of our social medias, and hell, while you're at it, follow our friends over at Catella Chronicles as well. But uh, I think that does it for all the yard work. And uh, let's get into it. So the Angels kicked off a series against the Texas Rangers here at the Big A. By winning five to four on Friday. And uh, I'm not going to say that was great baseball. It was winning baseball. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Let's make that very clear. But this was not a clean game by the Angels by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. And I think at the end of the day, it was a game that the Angels definitely should have lost. But they ended up squeaking by and winning the game. Yes, it was on a wild pitch. Yes, it wasn't the cleanest of games. You could throw all the superlatives you want out there. But in years past, these are the games the Angels would come close 
and lose. We saw that a couple weeks ago when they got beat by the Oakland A's in that horrible Monday night game. So this was something that the Angels needed, especially in that first game against Texas to set the tone, even though Saturday and Sunday, we'll pretend like those didn't happen. But it was a good game to extend the winning streak after a very good road trip, four and two against some NL Central teams in the Brewers and the Cardinals. So a good way to start off the homestand. Luis Ranjifo, Chad Wallet coming in clutch. We, we haven't talked about this enough, I don't think. The whole catching situation for the Angels. We were all hyped up for old hoppy season. He was playing great. He's out probably for the rest of the year with the shoulder. Sucks. Absolutely gut-wrenching. But Chad Wallach has come in legitimately as a nice 1A and 1B punch with Matt Thice right now. And fans can decide who they like better, Wallach or Thice. But he comes in with a pinch hit, two RBI double. I don't think we could have got that in years past before addressing the depth of this Angels. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, so the season is still young, right? I mean, we're 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 pretty early on in May. We have what 126 games to go. So let me ask you this: What is going to happen with the long-term uh, catching situation here for the Angels? I think it, for right now, short term, it's still going to be Wallach and Thice. I don't think there's any moves in the makings that Manassian is going to do to address that right now. Do they maybe go out and get Gary Sanchez and kind of take a flyer out on him? He was not very successful in the San Francisco Giants farm system. So could you take a flyer, send him to AAA, let him get some work in with the bees, and then if need be, bring him up? Okay, sure. That's option A that everybody's focusing in on right now. I think if the Angels stay competitive and are in a wild card or divisional chase right now as we approach the all-star break, maybe you might see the Angels go out and get a catcher. Even though Ohapi's probably going to be healthy next season, he'll recover well, you could maybe go out and get a rental or a future backup in that sense. So maybe a mid-tier catcher. Now also the wrinkle that we haven't talked about yet. Where's Max Stassi? He could be a key contributor into this big puzzle. I know he had some personal issues that are going on. He had some hip woes that weren't supposed to take too long, but I think the personal side of things, whatever's going on in the Stassi household or family is taking a big chunk of his time. But if Max Stassi can come back healthy and give us quality innings and at-bats, I don't think he need to do anything. I think Stassi could be the real key on this entire puzzle. Yeah, and it's really going to depend on what version of Max Stassi you get as well, right? I Correct. Mean, the 2020 Max Stassi doesn't seem like the sustainable Max Stassi. We were all hoping he could be that guy. Unfortunately, he has not been able to be that guy. No. I think if you could get even half of the 2021 Max Stassi that busted out and did a terrific job and really held the Angels accountable, and we were saying for the first time, wow, the Angels actually have a potent catcher that can play defense, control a pitching staff, and put the ball in play and not strike out. I think regardless of how many hits he had, doubles, home runs, it was just a catcher that didn't strike out. And then last year regressed amongst a lot of Angel offensive players last season. So if you can even get half of a 2021 Max Stassi whenever he comes back, I think maybe have him and Chad Wallach as the veterans be in that part, and then Thice, you know, you can figure out because Thice's bat can be good, but it's still got a lot of holes in it. And defensively, I take Chad Wallach over Matt Thice. So, again, 
You throw Stassi into the mix, I think it becomes a little more convoluted, but at the same time, it can become a little clearer if he can return to some decent numbers for Max Stassi. And you know, Shohei Otani loves having Stassi behind the plate. He does. Now, let me ask you about the guy, the man who started this game, Tyler Anderson. Are you worried about Tyler Anderson and his now 5.40 ERA now that we've really gotten to to see a good glimpse of him? You know, today with the, I know we'll get into this in a little bit, we finished the fifth cycle around the starting rotation today, or sixth cycle, I should say, around the starting rotation, with the exclusion of Canning, who hasn't looked too bad to digress a little bit. But Tyler Anderson... He's an aged veteran. He'll figure it out. Am I saying he's going to have six consecutive starts of eight shutout innings of work? No. But is he going to find a way to get the command back? I think so. I think lack of command. I think he's trying to be too fine with this pitches right now. You saw his changeup when it was on against Texas on Friday. It was working. So I think it's a matter of ironing some things out right now. Again, new year, new scenery. Yes, it's been six starts for him. I think it's going to take some time, and we knew that coming out of spring training, even though spring training, he looked legit. But again, spring training is spring training. But I think I'm not pushing the panic button yet on on Tyler Anderson. I think maybe if we get to the end of May and we're dealing with this, I think that could be a problem. Yeah, because we are talking about a man who has a 4.21 ERA for his career. Not bad. But, you know, also not what you want to see out of a guy who's on the upper end of your starting rotation, or at least should be. You know, he's supposed to be the veteran here. He's supposed to be the guy who sets the tone for Reed Detmers and Patrick Sandoval. And overall, this starting rotation with, you know, the exception of Otani, and you know what, you can even throw Otani in there as last two starts, is struggling. Yeah, the Angels pitching staff as a whole has not been as good as it was last year. You know, we're kind of seeing the mere opposite right now. Last year, it was the pitching that was carrying the offense. This year, if you look at the Angels' record right now, I think exiting this game, they're now 19-15 and 15 through 24 games now here in the regular season. So, guess what? When you look at it in the big picture, starting pitching, relief pitching, with the exclusion, I would say, of Matt Moore, Carlos Estevez, and the majority of the time, Shohei Otani. Last two starts, he got roughed up a little bit, but it was mostly the home run ball that bothered him. I think he can control that. I'm not too worried. Besides those three pitchers, and maybe, I know we all love Andrew Wance right now, and I know he's playing the carousel of Salt Lake to Anaheim game. The Angels pitching has not been great. It's It's been mediocre at best, and the offense has done plenty. Out of the 15 losses this year for the Angels, I would say – three or four of them have been on the offense, not scoring enough runs. The offense has done its job this year. No doubt about it. Yeah. And one of the other things I do want to point out about this game was how good the bullpen was. So Jaime Bria came in, gave four shutdown innings. He looked great. Uh, and he continues to have a decent season. I mean, he's got his ERA down to 2.21. He had a great showing obviously kept the team with the opportunity to win. And then Estevez was the one who was really impressive. This guy has been the, you know, the lone bright star in what's been a really, really rough bullpen consistently. You know, yeah, you have Wands, you have Berea, you, you have these guys who have stepped up, sure. But Estevez is definitely leading the charge back there in that bullpen. 
Yeah, 100%. I think he has, for now, locked down the closer role at the moment. He's coming in big situations. Look at the ninth inning on, or pardon me, the 10th inning on Friday night's game. And he set a very hot Texas Rangers team down and allowed the Angels to come out and walk it off on a wild pitch. But in the grand scheme of things, the Angels' bullpen, I trust, and we'll get into this again in, in a few minutes, I trust Berea more than I do Suarez right now, clearly. And Matt Moore, I would put Matt Moore in a starter's role. He has done it in the past. I would put him in a spot in the rotation before a couple other guys. And I'll pose this question now to you. Out of Sandoval, Anderson, Detmers, out of those three pitchers, because Suarez, I think, would be the easy cop-out answer, and Canning hasn't been here enough. Out of those three pitchers, who has been the most, quote-unquote, disappointing to you through the first month and a half? Because I know for me... Patrick Sandoval. Okay. I was going to... I thought you'd go... Okay, Sandoval. I was going to go Reed Detmers so far. Okay. The thing with Reed Detmers was we've we've known his inconsistency issues in the past. Patrick Sandoval's issues have always been from lack of run support. We saw a cream of the crop version of Patrick Sandoval during the World Baseball Classic. Anybody who watched him pitch for Team Mexico was excited. Angel's Twitter was excited. People were like, no doubt. this guy has what it takes to pitch in some big games because the World Baseball Classic essentially is nothing but big games. And he not only stepped up, but he succeeded for the great amount of that World Baseball Classic. And for whatever reason, he just has not been able to consistently have good um, mound appearances as an angel this year. I, I'm not worried about Patrick Sandoval. Honestly, out of those three you listed, he's the one I'm worried the least about. But that doesn't excuse the fact that this isn't the Patrick Sandoval that we're that we're hoping for. No, I re, you know I feel the same way about Patrick Sandoval. It's Reed Detmers. I think because maybe it could go into the situation of everybody was hyping Reed Detmers up so much after the no-hitter last year, and we saw great moments from him for the majority, and we saw more consistency from him, which was fantastic. I think not being able to get out of the fourth or even get into the fifth inning as much has been the exclamation mark in my mind that's flashing off saying, okay, what's going on? We dealt with these problems before with pitchers in years past, but why are we having this problem with him right now? Well, now that we've got the game one, the game that we actually did win, and once again, we both established, not exactly in uh, grand fashion, if you will, it was a walk-off wild pitch, but you take them the way you can get them, and that's exactly what they did with that 5-4 win. Now, let's talk about what happened the next day. The the day that Todd went to the game dressed up as Halo Honk the Clown. <laughs> and let's just say he wasn't the only clown at the field with the team's performance. No, the hey, the Halo Honk of Todd was 1-0 and coming into this game when he dresses up at Angel Stadium. And that winning streak and perfect record quickly went away fast in that contest. Yeah, not only did it go away, they did the uh, Mexican hat dance around it because this <laughs> team lost ten, uh, 10 to 1, and uh, it was an absolute disaster. So Reed Detmers uh, only went four innings in this contest, gave up three runs. They were all earned. His season ERA is now up to 5.10. Now, he did strike out seven, and he did walk two. So take that for what you will. You know, that game... I'm sitting there thinking, you know, for a moment they were down 3 nothing. They get a run, it's 3-1. to one. Okay, manageable game late in the game. But 
I knew this from the get-go when the probable pitchers came out. If I had a pick, if if someone told me the Angels were going to win, let's say, two out of three this weekend, what game of the three were they going to lose? I was probably going to say Saturday because, let's be real, Nate Eovaldi has been fantastic on the bump for the Rangers this season. He was coming off of a, a, a terrific, what was it, eight innings or a complete game last time out. He's gone seven-plus innings multiple times this year. He's been a lock for the Rangers staff who – hasn't really got the full Jacob DeGrom experience yet, except for the injuries this year. So to get a Voldy at the end of the day to save the rotation, that's a big coup right there for the Rangers. So I'm not shocked Eovaldi basically shoved it up our butts on Saturday night. Everybody was off. He sliced us up like a Thanksgiving turkey. And I'm not surprised. Was I surprised the bullpen just downright – vomited in the ninth inning a little bit that surprised me more than not hitting Eovaldi yeah the crazy thing about Eovaldi is he wasn't carving he wasn't carving up K's I mean he struck out five batters so you know he was forcing contact the problem was the Angels just weren't you know getting leaders they weren't getting solid hits no and and I feel we talked about this before we hit the record button today out of the Angels' 19 and 16 record, I just looked, I was off a, by a game. 19 and 16 through the first 35 games. Three games above 500. Okay, I'll take it based on how things started. But if you look at the 16 losses, I would say three to four have been 100% on the offense. The rest are on the Angels pitching. Th- think about that for a minute. Only four out of 16, a quarter of your games are by hitting. Three quarters are by pitching. This clearly. And the bulk of the pitching games that have resulted in losses have been from the back end of the bullpen being mismanaged. Correct. So you, if you combine three to four games from the offense, maybe three to four games by the starting pitcher, that's more than half by the back end of your bullpen. Red flag. You know, that's a, that's an idea as we get farther along. But the Angels offense is going to have a night where they just don't function. We saw it last Friday in the first game of the road trip in Milwaukee. They lose 2-1, to one, a completely winnable game. Okay, the offense struggled. But look what they did in St. Louis. Okay. But the Angels do score runs, and they score runs in bunches. It just wasn't their night on Saturday when you have good hitting versus good pitching. We talk about it all the time. Most of the time, good pitching prevails. Look at the World Baseball Classic, Otani versus Trout. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is uh, we're not talking about one total offensive collapse this uh, series. We're talking about two. But before we get into that, Tucker Davidson, start of the year off hot. There was a lot of people who wanted to see him work his way into the starting rotation. I'm sure the sentiment on that has changed. He (laughs) only got two-thirds of an innings here, gave up seven runs, all of them earned, walked one, struck out zero, and his season ERA is now 5.94. Is the Tucker Davidson experiment over, and he's a guy who's out of options? Is is this a guy who you're going to continue to give a leash to, or is he a DFA candidate along with, you know, Jose Suarez? I would not put him in the DFA category right now, and I wouldn't put him in the category of send him down to AAA. Before this ninth inning meltdown against Texas on Saturday, he had been pretty consistent for the most part over the past couple of weeks. I know his first couple of outings weren't great, 
but he's but in between the bookends of bad performances, he had some innings and games where he had to do some mop-up duty, and he came in well after some starting pitchers couldn't get out of the fourth or the fifth and kind of was that swing guy. I don't mind him as a swing guy. You have one of those in the bullpen already in Matt Moore who could who's a swing guy and can also go multiple innings at middle relief help. I would like to see Tucker Davidson stay in that mode. I think when you put him in a situation where the Angels offense knows they're not coming back in the ninth inning, even though it's three to one, Texas has beat them all night. The offense isn't there. It was mop-up time, and Texas offense is very good. I know we've talked about this all offseason. Is Texas legit? They got a couple of pieces, but maybe they're middle of the road. So far, they're putting the, you know, they're putting the proof where the pudding is and everything, and they're scoring runs, and they're scoring runs in bunches. We thought the first week of the year against the Phillies was a fluke. They continue to do that, and they scored 26 runs, foreshadowing here, 26 runs in a eight-inning span from the ninth inning on Saturday to the end of the top of the seventh on Sunday. 26 in eight frames. Is that good hitting or good pitching? I'll give that up to you. But to answer your question, I'm fine and not panicking on Tucker Davidson yet, as long as he does not pitch more than maybe two to three innings. I think he's that middle relief gap type help. Okay. Yeah. I think unfortunately for the angels, it was just a perfect storm of certain pitchers not executing because really with the exception of Davidson, and I, I understand that's a big exception there. The bulk of the bullpen didn't do a bad job. Tepera, two scoreless innings. Andrew Watts continues to stay hot. Two scoreless innings. You know, Brett Phillips doing Brett Phillips things. <laughs> Aside from that, it, it's, you know, it was Tucker Davidson. He, he was, he got hit around. You know, and a lot of people will say, oh, if he throws up a zero, it's three to one going to the bottom of the night. They walked it off the night before. I totally get that argument in the Angels offense. You never know. It could have surprised us. You, you just don't know. I'd have to look back at the box score of the game to see who was due up in the ninth inning at that point. But based on the track record of the Angels throughout that game, I just didn't see them walking it off at that point or at least tying it. The offense was just anemic that entire game. And again, they're afforded yeah. to have they an were anemic sputtering. game. Yeah. They, Again, they were they were sputtering. You know, they I, were running off fumes on on a team bus on going to the gas station. Yeah, in my opinion, if the Angels have one of those games at once every ten days, I can live with the Angels' offense having one anemic game every other week. I'm completely okay with that because right now the offense is saving this team's ass pretty much for the majority of the season. There's maybe been one or two instances where the pitching carried the offense into a victory. And I mean, I could take a 3-1 loss, maybe a 4-1 loss, but a 10-1 yeah. loss, a 10-1 loss, paired on top of what we got on Sunday's game, that's when it's, you know, okay, guys, like, you know, what happened here? Today's loss definitely pisses me off more than Saturday. Saturday, if that's a okay. blip on the radar, and we win today, I'll get over it. But with today's game, and I think that bookend Saturday's game, it was just kind of a, a lost in translation yeah. type of game. It it was weird. It's a turn the page loss, Dominic. Maybe, maybe they took too many tequila shots for Cinco de Mayo after the walk-off on Friday. Who knows what happened? <laughs> but, 
But you come into Sunday, and we all know, and I'll foreshadow it again, Texas Rangers are second in the American League after scoring 16 runs, or pardon me, not in the American League, in the entire Major League Baseball this year, with 221 runs scored, four behind the league-leading Tampa Bay Rays, who have 225. So to put that in perspective for a moment, you already see pencil in on the schedule. Jose Suarez on the mound against the second best offensive team in baseball. For the casual baseball fan, they're thinking, okay, the series is knotted up at one game apiece, rubber matchup. Great. For all of us that are in the know, I was expecting today to be a high scoring of fail, not because it's a day game in Angel Stadium. It was somewhat warm, good weather in SoCal. The ball was jumping out of the ballpark. That's kind of a norm for Angels day games. Am I right? Yeah, regardless if it's a Sunday, if it's a Tuesday, or what, whatever day game you have, that's normal. And with Texas being hot and the Angels having some pop in the order right now, I got it. And they get off on the right trend early with Anthony Rendon coming to life with a three-run blast. And you know what that reminded me of? Don't you remember Albert Pujols' first season with the Angels? His first home run did not come in until May. Yeah, but this is uh, Rendon's third season with the Angels. That too. It just kind of, it brought up a little like memory, like kind of like those Facebook memories. Like, remember when this happened eight years ago? Like, I think back, I'm like, huh, this isn't the first time a big contract guy took like a month to hit his first homer. How interesting. Is this his fourth? This is his fourth year with the Angels, right? 2020, 2021, 2022. Yep. Year four of a seven year deal. So he finally gets the dinger. Okay. Get the monkey off your back. But then in typical Angels fashion, not, uh, you know, not just Suarez, but it happens with a lot of pitchers. The moment the Angels get the lead, the very next half inning, it's gone. They don't even get to enjoy it for three innings and then it gets blown. It's like, give it, take it away, and we'll slice you off at the legs. It's incredible. I would love to find a stat cast, you know, little ball of, you know, stat nugget of how many times the Angels have either allowed the opposing team to tie or take the lead immediately like one half inning after getting that lead. I would love to find that out over the last maybe three or four years since COVID, since the 2020 season. Let me ask you this here. So Jose Suarez, I understand Angels fans are notably frustrated with him, right? You see it all over Angels Twitter. There's yep. not a lot of Jose Suarez fans out there right now. So let me Maybe ask Todd. You this. Maybe Todd. Maybe Todd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Todd. <clears throat> so I understand that he's potentially injured. He's going to be getting an MRI. So <clears throat> at the time you're listening to this, if we haven't reported on it yet, I'm sure the news is going to come soon. Assuming it's just, you know, like it's nothing serious. Are you done with Jose Suarez? Have you seen what you need to see? You can't send him down. Obviously, he's out of options. So you will have to DFA him. For me, I'm done with the Suarez starting pitch, pitcher version of, you know, Jose Suarez. I think okay. even though he has stuff that this team considerably talks about all the time, he is not a lengthy innings eater. And that was something big for the Angels last year that I, even though the Angels, you know, didn't make the playoffs and the offense wasn't great, but the pitching was good. We got an innings eater type mentality from Michael Lorenzen and Noah Syndergaard. Even though they probably didn't produce wins sometimes, 
they got us into the sixth inning and potentially sometimes the seventh inning and saved the bullpen a little bit, which was nice for a change. This year, Suarez struggles to get out of a fourth inning, and that was my big key. I know I brought that up when we had our preseason podcast and throughout when the Angels maybe didn't strike a big fish in the offseason pitching market with the exception of Tyler Anderson. I said we needed an innings eater, and that's why I was on the bandwagon of bringing Michael Lorenzen back because he showed us that last year. But the experiment of Suarez in the starting rotation, I'm done with. If he could turn into a Tucker Davidson two, three-inning guy at max with you know a lefty arm out of the pen, the Angels are very left-handed pitcher heavy right now, so maybe, you know, but there's still things to like about Suarez when he's on. Like, look what he did last week, five shutout innings against Milwaukee, and he did very well. Could I see the Angels maybe take Suarez and pair him with either Fletcher or Adele and make a trade for a bona fide starting pitcher? Sure, why not? You, you can't put him in a triple A. You have to DFA him. Why lose something when another team could see some value in him at this point? Honestly, a lot of Angels fans might be surprised to hear me say this, but if you DFA and you put him on outright waivers, somebody will claim Jose Suarez. Yes, he's a 100%. young guy. He's controllable. He's shown flashes of potential. There's no way in hell that the bulk of the teams in Major League Baseball don't take a chance on this guy on their 40-man roster because the no guy doubt. has potential. Yes. Somebody would pick him up. There is 0% chance, even struggling, that I think Jose Suarez clears waivers. You mean to tell me that a team like the Oakland A's wouldn't take a shot on this guy? Oh, yeah. You mean to tell me a team like the Rockies wouldn't love to get a guy like this guy? I wouldn't Hell, be honestly, I'm sure even a team like the Dodgers would I was want just to about to say one. that. I was just thinking the Dodgers, they'd probably go take him and their pitching lab that they This have. guy's a Cy Young Award winner by the end of exactly. next year. Exactly. Because that's what they typically do. Noah Syndergaard being the lone exception in a Dodgers uniform. It's kind of funny. Dude, <laughs> they, have a, they have a pitching factory most of the time. And yeah. another team we're missing out on. A team like the Tampa Bay Rays? They take a chance. That's what I'm saying. These guys take these pitchers that everyone else has given up on and routinely make them into somebodies. So there is no way that Jose Suarez doesn't get claimed, in my humble opinion. You know what the worst situation would be? Before I I let you continue, worst situation? The Houston Astros are having some troubles in their rotation with injuries. Watch them take Suarez and throw him against us two, three times this year, and Suarez goes lights out or something. Like, I feel that would be the Angels' luck, truthfully. I mean, you've you've been in the group chat, and we've talked a decent amount there about Ty and, you know, how he's been doing a lot better. I mean, I know he's got a hairline fracture in his middle finger right now. Yeah. But um, aside from that, I you know, yeah. that's another organization. Does a pretty decent job with these high-potential guys and, you know, yeah. convert them to somebody's. Now, who the hell was Pena before last year? Turned into one of the better shortstops in baseball. Exactly. Now, question for you. With the no DFA situation, and someone probably would be willing to take a chance on Suarez, instead of letting him go for nothing, do Perry, does Perry Manassian, and I hate to say it, Artie Moreno, take a chance and be one of the first teams in baseball this year to pull off a trade? And could you see the Angels parting ways with Suarez and pairing him with either Fletcher or Adele? Because we know Fletcher got shipped to AAA, 
He hasn't been doing great. And the Angels infield right now with Urshela, Drury, Renhifo, Rendon's healthy right now, knock on wood, has been working. And Joe Adele is having a fantastic season by AAA accounts. Could you see a trade potential happening to benefit the Angels on the pitching side of things? You and I talked uh, plenty of times in the offseason about that being uh, a possibility. Jose Suarez being paired with, you know, multiple of those men you just mentioned. David Fletcher was not somebody whose name we did throw out there during the offseason because we thought that he was going to be peace. Uh, as of right now, I see him being a little more expendable. So uh, it, it would be the smart thing to do. Absolutely. I, and I, I think that that's an option that the angels should consider because if they can pull off that trade, maybe we are talking about getting a piece who might be able to help you not only this year, but help you next year, especially now the fact that the angels are going to start tapping into some of this uh, depth and depth. They, they need to find because not only, you know, are they maybe going to have Suarez injured, but we're now in a situation where multiple bullpen arms are down. And because of that, we don't know how the rest of the season is going to pan out. So you really need to start getting some proven pitchers here who, who who can help solidify the rotation and the bullpen. So, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. If Suarez was to be traded or DFA or if he's out of the equation, the angels still have plenty of depth of arms, even though they're young, you know, Chase Silseth, I know he didn't have a great day today against the Rangers on Sunday, but he's eaten some innings before for the angels. You have guys at AAA like Kenny Rosenberg and, you know, farther down Bachman Bush, you have guys like that. They're not ready yet, but Suarez isn't like a top two or three pitcher where if you get rid of him, you need to immediately find a spot. Thankfully, Canning has come back and He's at least getting innings out. He's going five and a third, five and two thirds. So that's helpful. I feel we're at that point now where you could be expandable, maybe shift Matt Moore to the starting rotation if you need a six man, or let's blow some minds here. Do the Angels forget about this six man rotation, just stick with the five that they have? I don't think they would. <clears throat> I think they're going to continue to do this like six occasionally kind of thing. The good news is the Angels have a lot of off days here for the foreseeable future. So they won't have to worry about the six man for at least a little bit. of a Correct. Yeah. Because when you look at the Angels future rotation right now in regards of the next series, three with Houston, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, we got more to cover, but just looking at it from a pitching perspective right now, you have Sandoval, Otani, and Canning going against Houston. And then going into the Cleveland series, that starts off a seven-game road trip, three in Cleveland, four in the red-hot Baltimore area of Maryland, you would have Anderson, Detmers, and next Sunday in Cleveland on Mother's Day, TBD would have been Suarez. But because the Angels get Thursday off, you could afford to do that five-man rotation again because Sandoval would get that extra day rest. Yeah, but the problem is the Angels don't even have a solid five right now in their rotation of guys who I feel comfortable with at the moment. You know, once you get past Shoei Otani, it gets shaky pretty quick at the, at the current moment. Yeah, and that's something that wasn't probably on the bingo card for us on at preseason. We thought Sandoval nope. would be locked down, and Sandoval has had moments, but he hasn't put the full package together. Detmers has had yeah, maybe— We haven't seen World Baseball Classic Sandoval yet. No, not even 2022 Sandoval yet. I think maybe yeah, correct. he's maybe had one legit game where it was like, okay, I recognize that Sandoval, but the rest of the way is like, 
you're kind of reminding me of 2021 Sandoval, early early season 21 Sandoval at this point. So now Sandoval, if you look on paper, three and one, two nine three at, uh, ERA, 24 strikeouts and a WHIP of 1.27. Not bad on paper, but I think we're expecting it just to be that one percent better as a legit number two. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Sandoval. Like I said, I'm not worried. Uh, he's probably the one that I'm the least worried about. But, you know, when we're, once we're talking about Anderson and uh, and Detmers, same thing. I think Detmers needs that one turn again. You know, maybe instead of sending him down, you get Buddy Carlisle to come up and maybe talk with him. <laughs> since yeah. it seemed to work so well, that way we don't have to waste an option on him. But no, um, but I think something's got to give, man. Something's but you know, the, give. this rotation has to start figuring it out soon. But the greatest thing about it is once Sandoval, Anderson, and Detmers figure it out, that first game that's supposed to turn it around, the Angels offense will score one, two runs, and it'll be a dog fight, of course. <laughs> you that's know how, how it, it is. Well, no, 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 no. They're <laughs> going to like, they're going to cream the team for the first game of the series. You know, they're going to score like 18 runs. It's going to be like 18 yep. to one, 18 to two. And then the next two, it's going to be like, oh, we lost, you know, yeah. three, one. Oh, yeah. we lost one, zero. Hey, it's like that beautiful quote from last trade deadline in 2022. There's 20 people in the pool, but there's only one floaty to go around, folks. You know, who's getting the floaty? <laughs> get will, the it shirt. Be, will it be the uh, the offense, the, uh, the pitching, the one single bat? Who's it going to be? Who gets the floaty? Maybe we have to add that the Stamos Award, the Nacho Night, and the Floaty Award, just floating out on the island, hoping for dear life. You know, that could be the Catella Chronicles Award. That that could be what you guys give out. Yeah, that instead of the Nacho Maybe. Night, that could be the Floaty Award. Who yeah, who drifted? Who who drifted on off to an island and didn't want to participate in team action or something? You know, we can work on that. We, we gotta have uh, some merch that has a, a pool with like Halo Honk the Clown in it, and he's got a yeah. floaty. And he's got his floaty on holding up his uh, thunder sticks. Oh, there you go. There okay. You go. We'll get that uh, on a t-shirt. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> uh, this is a, th- the frustrating thing to me about this game is this is a game that was winnable, maybe not in pitching standards, but here's the thing. When your offense gives you eight runs, you got to win that game. There's no yeah. excuse to lose a game. 100% when your correct. offense gave you eight runs. I understand the pitching was atrocious. Jose Suarez, seven runs. Silset, three runs. Davinsky, three runs. And then your boy, Jake Lamb, a.k.a. Mike Lamb, <laughs> zero earned runs. Just like Brett Phillips, yeah. it's, they, they both stay hot, the position players. But at the end of the day, this team gave up 16 runs. And is if that wasn't enough of the kick in the cojones, Let's talk a little bit about a stat called L-O-B. And this mm, is basketball, yummy. so a lob isn't good. Lobbing them up. So let's, so let's go over the lineup and how many guys were left on base. So Ward, two runners. Trout, not being clutch, four. Brett Phillips, one. Otani, one. Rendon, zero. Renfro, the big one because he had bases loaded with an opportunity to tie the game or at least get the team closer. Six runners. Drury, two. Urshela, zero. Renfro, three. And Dice, zero. So that is a grand total for those of you guys scoring at home of 19 runners left on base. 
You're not going to win a lot of games when you have 19 runners on thumb base. Yeah, even though your team scored eight runs, clearly wasn't good enough. No, eight runs, 100% should, I want to say guarantee, but that's definitely a winnable game, especially by Angels' offensive stats. You know, I'm looking at the Angels' entire, you know, schedule through this part of the year. The loss against uh, Toronto on Easter, 12 to 11, should have been a win game. They lost a game in Boston by scoring seven runs, should have been a win. The meltdown against the Royals on that Saturday night, losing in extra innings, there's three. The Milwaukee seven to five loss, there's four. Today, five. Five games, the Angels have scored plenty of runs to win a game. So instead of being 19 and 16, you could be 24 and 11. Yeah, you know what? Let's even be practical and just say, you know, 22 wins. Yeah, you know. exactly. So, And we're talking about a team that has two games over the first place Texas Rangers, which would put us there at first place. And I understand everyone, well, it's only May. Okay, yeah, but you don't want to fall too far out of it. You know, I know we're kind of doesn't doing it. what point. You know, we're not following the script of last year where we came out of the gates blazing fast and then – you know, it was almost like you got a blow dart to the butt and you just fell halfway through the race. But, you know, I'm so confident in this Angels team. They got to work on the pitching side of things. We saw it on display today. This offense, we said this last year before the injuries came about. The offense is going to score you runs. This year, I wholeheartedly believe that. I love the additions of Hunter Renfro. I'm going to have a little halo hunk positivity right here. The Hunter Renfro signing has been great. Brandon Drury started off slow, but over the last two weeks, he's been well worth it. Gio Urshela, he ranks third on the team right now and hits behind Trout and Otani. That's been a great thing. Renjifo's slow start, but he's come up clutch in some moments. Okay, better than David Fletcher, who's currently in the great state of Utah. And, you know, throw into the mix, even throw into the mix, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. We, we've talked about this a lot in internal group chats and Angel social media. How's Otani had that Otani-esque year yet? For me, maybe a hot take. No. I don't think Shohei Otani has played to Shohei Otani capabilities. I have to look offensively. Pitching-wise, yes. His last two starts, he's given up the home run ball, but he's done enough to do his job. But to me... Between Otani and Trout, I think Trout has had more of a Trout year than Otani has had an Otani year. And I know some people can put them on two different hemispheres because Otani's a two-way star, but Otani, 4-0 pitching, 2.54 ERA with 59 Ks and a .87 whip. Not bad, right? I, I, I take no, that as no, a no. win. But yeah, I, I pulled up his batting stats too, so. And what, what's Ota- I'll, I'll let you have the floor here. What's Otani's batting stat- stats at this moment? So through 129 at-bats, he's batting 295 with seven home runs, 20 RBIs, five stolen bases, and a .878 OPS. Okay. So the average, normally we're used to Otani being a power hitter with a 260 to 270 average. So 295 early right. on. So in his the average is up. So his average is up to start the year. That's good. That tells me. You know, now that we're not in that shift era anymore, I would love to see how he's taking advantage of that non-shift situation right now. Mike Trout, 299. Yeah, he is. Mike Trout, 299 
at this point. He was 302 coming in today, had a one for four performance, eight home runs, 20 RBIs, and a 947 OPS. He wasn't great in this series against the Texas Rangers. So that kind of dropped his numbers down. And they both had the same amount of at-bats right now, 127. But I think Trout, and maybe this is just me being me, I think Trout has had more of an impact on this team early on this season than Otani. Maybe it's a, a sheer optic situation. Maybe Otani's not hitting as many home runs, so he's not being retweeted on social media as much. Maybe he's not doing this. I think Trout's been more of a consistent, you know, level player so far. Otani's been consistent, but he's—I think he's had more ebbs and flows to his game than maybe Trout in the grand scheme of things through the first twenty, or pardon me, thirty-five games so far. Which is fine. I'm okay with Otani having a higher average and just the power suffering just a tad. I mean, we are still talking about seven home runs, which isn't bad for this stage of the year. Not at all. You know, we don't need Otani to hit 60 home runs. We don't. We need him to, you know, if he can be near 300, if he can drive in 90 to 110 RBIs, you're going to take that out of a two-way guy. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if his on-base percentage stays high. You know, and, and Trout, you expect, you know, him to be in the 3 to 305 batting average ballpark. You expect that on-base percentage to be about, what, 380? Yeah. You expect his RBIs to be about... 82 to 92 and if you get anything more than that great and you expect them to be in the 45-ish home runs ballpark am i on to something yeah no i think that's all i think that's all correct at the end of the day i think otani and trout regardless of how i feel about you know still love them they're still fabulous i'm not going to say no to any of their performances but i think at the end of the day when you look at both of them they're doing their thing without 100% carrying the load of this team. We are now, hopefully, this continues the rest of the year, having these conversations about Trout and Otani, we can actually treat them as human beings and not super charged baseball players that are out of this world. We can almost bring them back down to earth because guess what? A mild year for Trout is a career year for a lot of other players in Major League Baseball. So to be able to have Absolutely. these... To be able to have these conversations and saying, you know, Trout's having a little bit of a down part right here, and Otani's having a down part, you know, a cup, you know, two games here, then he's up for three games, two games down, but the Angels are still over 500, only two games out of first place. And guess what? There's depth to this team that's actually helping them carry the load. This is a, this element is an absolute great conversation to have. Finally, instead of saying, Trout's a hero, Tani's a hero, put him on cloud nine. It's nice to bring him off cloud nine for a minute, make him human, because guess what? When they have those weeks where they go eight-game hitting streak, 500 batting average, it makes them even more special. Well, that's the thing. Our fan base is very much put these guys on pedestals. And let's get one thing straight. Here at the they network, deserve it. the bulk, yeah, yeah, the bulk of us, are not afraid to be critical of these guys because they are they are stars. We expect the world out of them. But let me say this. Though we've been the first in line, you know, a lot of us here to be like, hey, you know, Mike Trout isn't the most clutch player in the world. You know, we ate crow that day in St. Louis, which is fine. I'll gladly eat crow for that. I want Trout to prove me wrong. I love Mike Trout. I have Mike Trout everything. I got five Mike Trout signed baseballs behind me. Yeah. You know, I, I got every Trout bobblehead. I got like four Trout jerseys, shirts, you name it. I'm a big Trout guy. I love Mike Trout. 
Correct. But I want him to prove me wrong. And here, let me get this straight. Halos in the infield. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halos jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I, HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. If a fan from another organization tries talking crap about Mike Trout, it's over. Hold my hoops. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Hold my hoops. I'm down. coming out for you. You don't mess with our Trout. You don't mess yeah, with our Nobody talks trash about him except us. Exactly. That's our guy. But the whole conversation of is Trout clutch? It's a, I will be honest, as much as we agree, we will go to bat for Trout. We will fight somebody to the death to prove we love how Mike Trout is. I love this conversation of is Trout clutch because it's always something that non-Angel fans always point out. He hasn't been to the playoffs. He's not going to win a ring. All the, all the things that have gone on, it's been said. But now we kind of stare it in the face and you say, okay, well, let's really dive into the stats a little bit. And if you look real hard at his stats in clutch late inning situations, his numbers are basically career for somebody else in baseball. His Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's the brilliance, I think, of Mike Trout, because a lot of people say, hey, he's not clutch, because guess what? Is he constantly hitting walk-off homers? Because when people when you think of the common baseball fan, and, and you can either agree or disagree. If you brought 100 common baseball fans and you asked them, what is a clutch moment? They're going to say, probably a walk-off hit. A walk-off hit, or if you're the road team, a top of the ninth inning to take the lead. Okay, that's half true. You have to look from seventh inning on and all the other metrics of where the game is. If you're leading, if you're in a deficit, extra insurance runs, rally time. Mike Trout. Is a clutch performer? Is he a walk-off specialist? No. But is he a clutch player that gets on base regardless if it's a walk or a hit? That man's doing it. And yes, in the big moments, the, you know, game, what was it, game three against the Royals in the playoffs, he struck out to end the game. Struck out to end the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, has Trout had some tough end-of-game moments? Yes. Name me 10, 20, 30 other players that have had the same situation, but nobody's talking about them. How many times has Mookie Betts probably ended a game? How many times has Aaron Judge probably ended a game? But Mike Trout's going to get the microscope put on him because, well, he's Mike Trout and he hasn't been to the playoffs since 2014. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I, I'm sure this Mike Trout situation will continue to to be discussed uh, even from our network as the season unfolds. Now, uh, do you have anything else on, on this game? The really this series. I mean, it was, it was a crappy series. Not much else to say. You know, excluding excluding Saturday's game, 
I will say the series kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. I thought it would be kind of a, a rubber matchup type series. Two, someone's winning two out of three. It was nice to win game one. Game two, I was hoping to put that in the back end mindset. Today was kind of a, a bitter taste in your mouth. And this year, you know, with the new schedule and you're not seeing divisional opponents as much, it can hurt. This is the first time the Angels have lost a series to an AL West opponent. They took two of three from Oakland to start the year, two of three from Seattle, and then three of four from Oakland. So in the grand scheme of things, I I don't know why. Is that the theme today? I've used grand scheme of things a lot in this podcast today. Just call it the grand scheme of things podcast nowadays. But two, two out of three, so four and two, a three and one, so that's seven and three, and now one and two. So you are eight and five in your first 13 divisional games with three more upcoming against Houston. I think to call this a success against your interdivision opponents, the Angels definitely have to win two of three against Houston. I think that's got to be a guarantee. To to wrap up this whole Texas series in one fancy bow, it kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Texas was going to bring the offensive thunder. Angels pitching, which has been taxed, not getting an off day after finishing that series against St. Louis. They kind of just slugged out at the end. And I don't mean slug as in hit the ball. Well, I meant slug as in sluggish at the end, tail end. Hopefully they can rest up tonight. They have a night game tomorrow and then two night games and then a day game before traveling back to, yeah, they get Thursday off, I think, before going to Cleveland. So catch up. Kind of put Texas behind you a little bit. Go take two of three against Houston, who is kind of limping right now. They're not dead in the water. They're limping. Take advantage of a limping Houston Astro team that is struggling pitching and has no Jose Altuve. This is the worst Astros team the Angels have seen in like five five years. Now, I'm not going to say that you can, you know, discredit this Astros team. They are 17 no. and 17, so they're not doing horrible but, you know, like you said, there's no Jose Altuve, there's no Valdez. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of their starting rotation isn't doing stellar either. So if there is a opportunity to win a series against Houston for the first time in a while, uh, this is it. Yeah. While we're on this Because they topic, have not played Houston well over the years. No, it's – it's I, I, I have to look at this, and I would love to get this. I want to say they've done worse – at Houston than at home. They have better odds at Angel Stadium than in Houston. So that's hopefully a, a mark on our side. For the viewers listening to the podcast, even though this podcast will be coming out soon, but let's get you the rotation for the Houston series and quick rapid-fire predictions for this series. Brown versus Sandoval in game one. Brown is 3-1 and one with a 2.60 ERA. Sandoval, same record, 3-1. and one with a 2.93 RA. Good round, game one. Valdez versus Otani in game two. Otani, 4-0, 2.54 ERA. Valdez, tough luck record, 2-4, but he's got a 2.6 ERA. The day game on Wednesday, Javier against Canning, both similar records, 2-1 for Javier, 2-0 for Canning, and the ERA is 3.54 for Javier, 5.31 for Canning. So, Fernando, I'll toss it to you first. How does this series go? Who wins how many games? And who would you, who is the star 
of the series? I, I think you're going to have to hope that they can take two out of three here. I'm I'm hoping it's the first two games that I can see them winning. Uh, you know, honestly, anytime Otani's on the mound, I I have not been able to get myself to to ever um, bet against him. You know, the guy's just a freak of nature. And sure, we've gotten to see a little bit more of a human side of Shohei Otani, his last couple outings, but um, he has been giving the team an opportunity to win every time he pitches. And uh, has he lost a game yet this year? As a no. Shohei, 4-0, 2.54 ERA in six appearances. Yeah, I, I think he's able to settle down here. I know his last two starts, he's been bitten by the gopher ball. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think he'll be able to keep the ball down uh, and prevent a lot of home runs. So uh, I, I'm going to say two out of three. I think Canning is the one who gets the loss. But at the end of the day, as long as these can be three competitive baseball games, that's all I ever want whenever we play Houston. I, you know, And that's all I want out of this series against the Rangers, and that wasn't the case at all. They were fairly competitive. Yeah, I was hoping to get surprised. I was kind of salivating at the Texas series because I'm like, ooh. And I don't wish injury upon anybody, but we didn't have to face Jacob DeGrom. But we got Eovaldi. So it kind of balanced itself out a little bit. Again, I'm not shocked we lost two out of three. Texas is now the new – well, let me rephrase that. It used to be the Texas Rangers that were the thorn in the Angels' side during the Nelson Cruz, Adrian Beltre, Ian Kinsler era. When that team kind of set up shop and kind of put out to pasture, the Oakland A's became the Angels' thorn in the side. Now that Oakland has extremely regressed, Texas is now the new thorn in the side once again. So I'm not shocked this is happening. My goal is the Angels take two of three for Houston. I really believe that. We don't know much about this Brown guy who's pitching for the Astros tomorrow, but you do have Sandoval. Kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you put that on me? Um, but, you know, Shohei always gives an opportunity Day baseball, Wednesday afternoon at the Big A. You know, hopefully Canning can settle things down and we'll be okay. He gives us innings. I think if the Angels can take game one, I think really I agree with you. The first two games are going to be hell of important. If you can get the first two wins, then Wednesday is kind of the extra credit cherry on the top if you can pull off the sweep. But in to your uh, point, Otani always finding success against the Astros last year, regardless of win and losses. In April last year, he had two starts against him, and when a combined uh, 10 and two-thirds innings and gave up one run on five hits. And then in May, did not face him. In June, didn't face him. Faced him in July, got a win, went six innings, allowed one run on four hits, and that was at the Big A. And then didn't see him again until back-to-back appearances in September, where he had a one run in eight innings and another one run in five innings. He did not give up more than one earned run in in any start singularly against Houston, home or away, in 2022. So let's hope he can carry that success over because it's going to be necessary. You know, He's going to have to be that stopgap guy because uh, the Angels need to prove here that they can hang in this division. Because if we're talking about a situation where we lose two out of three, or even worse, God forbid, knock on wood, we get swept, then we're having a much different conversation. Then we're talking about a team who is uh, 500 at that point. We'd be 19 and 19. And going into, a, in my opinion, a very tough road trip, three in Cleveland and four in Baltimore. If you just 
just from the standings alone, Baltimore 22 yeah. and 12, which is kind of where the Angels should be right now. Five and a half back of Tampa. Cleveland 16 and 18. Not great, but their pitching's always stout. They're two and a half behind the Twins, who are 19 and 16. It's not going to be an easy road trip. And the Angels always, over the last two years, since post-COVID pandemic baseball, 2021 and 2022, were not great years in Baltimore. They lost three of four last year and two of three the year before. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. and, uh, And even in 2019, what immediately comes to my mind was when the Orioles came after the death of Tyler Skaggs. The Angels were a hot team played the Dodgers, won that series. And as soon as the uh, the Orioles came and David Fletcher was called out, at, I think it was home. That extra inning game, that really derailed that extra the inning season. Game, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So really, the Orioles have been paired with some really bad times over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, well, that, that's what I have on this. Do you have anything to close? No, I think we need a- I think we kind of need to laugh a little bit and lighten the mood because I know there was some things with Valley Sports West that we were giggling about in our group chat a little bit yeah. that were just funny. So I think we I think we can agree. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's have a little fun at Artie yeah. Moreno's expense. Yeah, okay. So for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, so Valley Sports West used to host the pre and post game show from uh, near the hats, right? Underneath the left hat. If you're staring at the gate straight on from the home plate gate. The left hat, they had little stage set up over there. There was these fans who, I believe, after Angels win, were chanting, sell the team. It was after, so the night after they blew that game against Oakland, they won 5-3, to three and they kind of got back on track. And the chants coming out of a commercial breaker, I think after, like, a Phil Nevin interview, then cut back to the table that had, uh, ten, or no, no, it was Patrick O'Neill. Uh, Langston was out there, and I want to say G G A was in the middle, if I remember. Yeah, yeah G A was there for when I remember correctly. Yeah. And um, the best part was, as soon as the fans started yelling, like they were like they said something along the lines of like, "Oh wow, they're excited here in Anaheim." There was something like that. And the audio like they didn't clearly, acknowledge it, but they were talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, it was the audio clear as day. Sell the team. Sell the team before, as they were transitioning from Nevin's interview, whatever interview it was to the desk before O'Neill started talking, you just heard, sell the team, sell the team. And I'm like, ooh, Artie ain't going to like that one bit. Yeah, Artie does not have the thickest skin. You know, there's a lot of billionaires out there who do. Yeah. Artie's not one of them, man. This guy's got paper mache skin, to say the least. Um, he, he doesn't like being criticized. He doesn't handle the criticism well. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the biggest reasons why the angels have cut off us off completely because we have this unfiltered coverage of the team, because that's the kind of coverage that the audience has expected us to have. We, we call it down the middle. We see it how it is. Yeah. We're the first in line to praise Artem Moreno. If something good happens, unfortunately, the last two, three years have been full of Artem Moreno making the wrong choice and wrong decisions. And, naturally it's led to a level of resentment in this fan base that uh, people feel that the only way that they can truly fall in love with this organization again is by Artie Moreno selling the team. And, And we got teased with that last year. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I feel this was a situation where it was almost like your parent 
is grounding you for doing something bad in the house. You broke a vase and you're grounded for a week. This is Artie Moreno's version of telling the fans, I don't like you coming after me, so I'm going to punish you and ground you and move a fan favorite thing after the game between the halves into the stadium so fans can kind of interact before the game because fans clearly have to be in the stadium. But after the game, security's ushering you out. They're not staying for the bulk unless it's – now, I didn't see the game last night, the postgame show, because Saturday night is firework night, and I don't think they'll have the postgame show on the field with the firework. That'd be, I don't know, technically if they could do that. But still, regardless, even if they do it on the outside of the stadium on a Saturday, that's going to be the fastest postgame show ever before the fans exit the ballpark after fireworks. I could guarantee that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. I, I didn't get to watch any of Valley Sports West coverage over the weekend. You know, I, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So naturally, I had to watch the Rangers coverage. So that mm-hmm. was wonderful. Nothing was better than sitting through Saturday and Sunday's game where we were getting our <laughs> cheeks clapped and listening to the <laughs> Texas Rangers coverage. And even Friday night when the Angels walked it off, they're like, oh, well, I don't think the Rangers lost this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Angels won this game. The Rangers just lost it. And I'm like, yeah, Russell Westbrook, what? What are you talking <laughs> about, man? Like, you know, right. it's like, no, you lost the game. That's how the game works. I understand you can beat yourself. I know that's a term people use, but I never understood that. Like, oh, no, we didn't lose this game. Well, yes, you did. You you lost the game. <laughs> you threw a wild pitch. But that's a, that's a great point. I wanted to get to this because, you know, you have people in the legit media for the Angels, Texas Rangers, that represent a team. The Roger Lodges, the Trent Reshes, the Erica Westons, all those type people that closely work with the team. Contractually, do they have to be positive about the team? Yes, you can't be working with the team and basically saying this person's, you know, dog poop, this person's dog poop. You know, you can't say that. So I get the PC-ness of it all, but when it crosses the politically correctness line of being positive about the team as best as possible and it turns into tweeting and acting towards the fans in a condescending manner, that's where I put my hands up as somebody who's dealt with my been in the minor league baseball circuit currently at the high school level and seen a variety from basically high school, college, minor league, and a little taste of major league with some major league rehab guys through, through the time. Nothing bothers me more as a member of the media who sees other people in the media condescending the fans because you're chopping yourself up right at the bit. You know, I see it all the time. I get it. Like for example, Gubaza, is a perfect proponent of being positive. Can he be a little honkish? Of course he can, but that's Gooby. But when I see people like Trent Rush and Erica Weston on social media saying, you know, after the Kansas City Royals meltdown loss, they both were kind of going online saying, you know, yeah, it was a tough way to loss, but what an incredible crowd at Angel Stadium today. It's great to see that again. It's like, this is the problem with the Angels. Yes, the product on the field is blowing games, and we've been, it's almost like classic conditioning. We're conditioned to lose these games in such bad fashion, like the Oakland A game as well. And instead of being hard nosed and like, dude, why can't we win these games? It's, yes, we lost. Losses happen in a 162 game season, but the atmosphere was great and the nachos were fabulous. And it's like, 
no offense, I don't want to call the kettle black here, but really you're calling yourself a reporter at that point. That's where, and that's where Artie Moreno acts at that time. So he's condescending to his own fan base. Yeah. And that's always been my issue uh, with the angels organization. It's the fact that not only are we not going to accept criticism, we're going to nip it in the butt. Criticism doesn't exist here. Mm -hmm. It's unnatural. And it's not what any good sports organization should do. I understand you don't want your product and what you are pitching to be completely pulled apart. But how many times, Dominic, on this network, have we ever discouraged Angels fans from going to Angels games? No, we joke. Never. We joke. I will say we do this. We joke about during the Artie sell, you know, the parking money goes to him. The beer money goes to him. So if you're going to the game, you're giving money to Artie Moreno. And we've said that too on Catella Chronicles. David and I have joked about it. And, and David sometimes takes it seriously. He's like, I'm not giving Artie Moreno my money. I will gladly watch the team at home, but I know I don't want Artie to benefit. And guess what? That's perfectly fine. But is that Halo's in the infield or Catella Chronicles telling you guys, do not go to the games? No, not at no. all. That, that's David having a personal opinion and carrying out his personal opinion. And he's not the only one in that sentiment. Let's make that clear. No, and, and, and he still supports the team. He's not, you know, bad-mouthing the Angels. And that's, yeah, we, we sarcastically joke about the Angels when they do something dumb. But he's still watching, supporting, and doing his business, not only for Catella Chronicles and, and Halos in the infield, but as a, as a consumer and a fan. Look at look at uh, uh, Todd and James this week, and they were at all three games against the Rangers. They gave their twenty bucks to park. They gave their money to tickets, courtesy of seven one four tickets, um, and and much much more. So, regardless if if you give your money to the Angels and a stadium that's somewhat falling apart a little bit needs a little a little makeup here and there, it's bound to happen. But if we're giving us as loyal consumers, and we said this when Artie Moreno was selling the team we want some some give and some take don't take our money and then flash it in front of us and be condescending to us as if we don't know anything about baseball and you're perched on your pedestal that's where angels media i know todd for sure that's where he has his disdain for the one and only roger lodge yeah amongst other things <laughs> because all you can do is keep it positive like magic johnson here at am eight thirty. I, and my whole thing is, let me make this very clear, because we know that there's always somebody in the Angels front office listening to this. We have it well documented. You know, the PR department doesn't like us, or we know for sure the front office in terms of ownership doesn't like us. So, so let's be very clear on this. We want the same thing. We want a winning product. We want to cover a winning team. The difference is between us Bally Sports West. And when I say Bally Sports West, let me not include Wayne Randazzo because he does a great job, I believe, of covering the team down the middle. He's not afraid to call it how he sees it, and that's how it should be when you're reporting, okay? But let me just say that we all want a winning product here. I want to be going to a playoff game at the Big A. I want to fly out to Anaheim to watch my team in the playoffs. I want to cover a winning team. There's a reason why we encourage people to use 714 tickets, use code HIDI at checkout, because we want people to go to the games. 
Yeah, Artie Moreno is directly profiting from that. I get it. But at the end of the day, you can't expect a winning product if in no way, shape, or form the team's being supported, right? Because why is he going to want to put his money if nobody's going to the games? Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter remains this. If you are going to provide anything, a service or a form of entertainment, which is what baseball is, you have to be willing to accept criticism. I travel the country for work. I get criticized for my work occasionally, maybe not much, but, you know, I, I am very confident that I am one of the best in the world at what I do. It's why I am paid by a, you know, by my company who works for a billion dollar corporation to travel the country because I'm the best at what I do. But that doesn't mean that if somebody has a problem with the service that I provide, that they shouldn't be able to call me out on it. The angels provide a form of entertainment. What's so wrong with me and you and whoever else on this network coming on and saying, hey, the Angels suck right now. Those two games were horrible. How'd you give up? What is it, 26 runs in two games? You should be allowed to say that. And mm -hmm. it should be okay. And if this was a normal sports organization, that would be fine. I'm a Coyotes fan. My favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is PHNX Coyotes. They talk trash on the team all the time. They have on they have on ice access, they have locker room access, they have access to the players, and they call it as they see it. They've had the CEO of the Coyotes on. They've had uh the COO of the Coyotes on. They've had the GM on multiple times. How come they are able to cover the team the way a team should be covered? And Artie Moreno and his paper mache skin can't handle it. Uh Dominic. Yeah, the hand is raised. For those that are listening and not watching the podcast, you know, hand is raised. I can answer your question. Now, I Please don't do. have inside sources, but here's my answer. One word. Complacency. The Angels yep. front office, not just Artie Moreno, the ones, the, the upper brass of the Angels organization that have been there for years are complacent. I'm sorry. Their PR department, and I know they listen to this, so I'm sorry. This is I've been an Angel fan since birth. I've gone to Angel games. I've seen it. I've rumblings, everything. I support this team no matter what. Because guess what? Am I not going to go live in person to an Angel game because of Artie Moreno? No. And waste being able to be maybe not far in the same building as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani at the same time. I'm not wasting that opportunity because of some, you know, clown. And I'm not talking about Todd over here, Mr. Halo Honk over here, the clown. I would, <laughs> I would rather watch Otani and Trout do their business and enjoy it and not worry about Moreno. But from President, Harpino, Moreno, uh, Chachko, or whoever else is in the PR media, everybody that they have, they have been there for so long. And they just go in and go do their business do the same thing that they've been doing, get their paycheck, and go home. They're not doing anything different. They're not trying to elevate their game. You said it already. You're great and amazing at what you do. At the end of the day, in the world we live in, for your paycheck to survive in this world. I do the same thing as a broadcaster. Yeah, can I say I'm the greatest broadcaster ever? Sure. Do I know there are better ones than me and I can accept criticism to improve? Sure. Absolutely. But I feel the Angels' upper brass and who they hire and a thought process of who they hire 
is to fit their mold of complacency. We've done it for 15 years and it's worked. We're sticking with it. They don't want to evolve. They want to stay complacent. And I think that's the biggest issue with why we can't get access. A lot of other people can't get access or get a fair shot at fair criticism. There's criticism that goes below the belt from people on social media. That is unacceptable. Um, We've been, uh, we've talked multiple times off air about the fact that if we wanted, there is a lot of information that could be released about Art Moreno. You mm-hmm. know it. 100%. People would view this man differently with the stuff that we know. I'm not going to do it because that's below the belt. If I'm ever in a situation where I get to sit down with Art Moreno in a very unlikely situation, maybe <laughs> there's some a lot of questions I would ask. But that doesn't change the fact that no matter what, because he is the owner of the team, there always has to be a form of respect that I show toward him. Maybe not in the sense of I respect you as a person. You've shown your true colors, Arturo, multiple times, and you're going to continue to do it, uh, you know, through global pandemics and, and through the treatment of minor leaguers. This Just because you're now forced to pay the minor leaguers a certain wage because of this union, don't think that we think you're doing it because you're a good person. Um, you know, when you didn't pay your employees during the global pandemic, yet you decided to donate millions of dollars to a presidential candidate. Um, that, that's another situation. There, there's a lot of reasons why Artie Moreno, in my opinion, is not a good human being. But that doesn't change the fact that I love the team that he owns. And I always will. There's a reason why for, you know, three years now, I've covered this team for free, not only for free. I've lost thousands of dollars because of this podcast and I continue to do it because it gives me an outlet because Mm -hmm. it, it, for whatever reason, hundreds to thousands of people listen to this. They respond to the questions of the day. They respond to the tweets, whatever. And on top of all that, it leads to friendships with people like you, Todd, James, you name it. Let's go down the line. But the biggest thing and the thing that really insults me is the fact that the Angels don't view us as a legitimate potential partner. A page who goes out of its way to do things for the community is insulting. I mean, we've we donated hundreds of dollars to uh, just now to a a team with special needs kids who just mm-hmm. want to play baseball. This September or August, we're hoping to donate hundreds of backpacks to kids in the greater Orange County area who are less fortunate. And the fact that the organization doesn't want to partner with that says a lot more about them than it says about us. You guys don't want to be a part of it. Great. I've already talked to multiple players in the organization on the minor, on the major league and minor league side of things who would love to donate their time to helping us do that kind of stuff. How is it that the players don't mind this criticism? There's players who like our posts bagging the ownership or bagging their fellow teammates. Yet, the ownership can't take that. That says a lot more about the ownership than it says about the players. Players can laugh at themselves. Why? Because they're the cream of the crop. They're the 1%. Courtney can make jokes about Rendon having a bleeding vagina. Notice she hasn't made that joke lately because Rendon's going out there and playing. Yeah. We consistently eat crow in this network. We've always said that we're the type of page who will 
say things out of frustration and anger at that exact moment yep. because that's what places like Twitter is for, right? You <laughs> say things in the heat of the moment, you regret it two weeks later, two days later, whatever. That's what being a podcast is. You don't think I regret going on this podcast for years talking about my ex-wife and now former stepson. That stuff's there forever. Mm -hmm. I can't delete the stuff I said. That's how the internet works. Now, if I listen back to our very first interview that we did with Ty Buttry, killer interview, stellar interview, interview I did with Rich Walt with Rick Waltz, great interview. Now there's segments of my life that are forever in a time capsule that I can't change. But that's what the internet's for. I get it. The internet is forever. But the Angels organization needs to get so much better about, A, allowing their pure journalists to accept criticism, or sorry, to spew criticism and then accept it, mm -hmm. and, and accept that it's just part of the business that you have. Look what happened with Sam Blum a couple of weeks ago. We didn't talk about that either. He got banned from doing the uh, Beat Writers Roundtable because he's critical of the team. Jeff Fletcher stepped out. Rhett Bollinger stepped out. The only one who I believe didn't step out was Sarah Valenzuela, and I could very well be wrong about that. And if I am, sorry, Sarah. By the way, check out her work. She does great work with the LA Times. I've gotten to meet her in person. She's great. But uh, I I'm rambling. I'll let you go. No, I'll, I'll just finish that this whole thought like this. As you, I agree 100%. Halos in the infield could tell the Chronicles does the same thing. We are more than willing to eat crow than be right. And by that, I say, I've said it all the time. I think we should get rid of Joe Adele. I don't think he's proven anything. He's a 4A player. He's doing great in AAA. If he could translate that one day and come up to the Angels and play to his talent and capabilities and what everybody thinks he is, I am, I am willing to eat crow and do what needs to be done. And I'm perfectly fine because that means the Angels are winning and going about their business and proving not just us, but the haters and everybody else wrong. Everybody can think right now with what you and I are talking about. It's a pity party that we don't get seen enough or whatever. It's not about that. If there's a difference between going below the belt and being in La La Land. There's a big difference. We're in the middle. I'm completely fine with being honest about them and having a debate than just pretending things do or don't happen. And I think that's where the Angels front office is complacent and just think that Let's be complacent. We're going to rise above and just be figureheads and look down upon our peasantly fans as they think we are. And we're just going to puppeteer them to what we want them to be. I never feel that there's too much enjoyment from the Angels front office brass. Like they are deep and love what they do. It's just a very stale business transaction. It's a business. Exactly. Yeah. And I get it. Business is business. People look at the bottom line. Totally get it. But when you're out in public with the fans and it's sports and it's the great world of sports debate and podcasts and social media, you have to evolve a little bit. You might not like it, but you've got to evolve. And am I going to say Artie Moreno, and I don't mean anything I'm about to say here, Artie needs to go die or this. No, that's below the belt. Cancel. That's where the line gets drawn. That's the beep, beep. There's the, there's the button. I, I will never say that. 
But am I going to hold already accountable because he needs to be better and the, give the Angels a better fighting chance? Am I going to hold Trent Rush accountable for kind of making some condescending tweets? I love the guy. I've met him a couple times. I think he's great at what doing what he does. Is there some moments I'm like, eh, okay, Erica Weston, same thing. Sam Blum, do I think it's great that he goes out and kind of holds people accountable? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think sometimes he can say it in maybe a, you know, tough tone? Sure. But the question still got to get asked. Nobody is perfect. I'm not saying any, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Todd's not perfect. No one's perfect. But we all Only Halo Hunk the Clown is perfect. Only, well, no, no, he lost, he lost on Saturday. He ain't perfect no more. Prime example, fans. <laughs> but no one's perfect, but you still have to be open. To, fine, if you don't want to call it criticism, call it improvements. If we're going to be Halo Honkish right there. We all can improve in this life. And, you know, I don't want to get too theoretical about the great world and, you know, the theory of everything here. But we all can get better. And we all can improve at our craft. I do it every day with broadcasting. I'm thrilled to be the voice of Huntington Beach Oilers baseball and I know when I listen back to highlights that I post for, for the team and I listen to myself, I'm like, I could have totally said that much better and amped up that moment. But I didn't. But guess what? That's going on the checklist of things to improve on. So next time, it's better. That's what the Angels front office and media need to have. Not all, but most. Absolutely. T take a little bit of criticism. It's okay to be like, hey, man, sometimes you guys are a little too radical. Halos in the infield. That's why we can't have it. I get that. You know, this yeah. isn't me whining. I don't, we don't need on-field access. We've proven that. We're consistently getting these interviews, so we don't need it. It's an added tool, and I feel like it can help benefit the team in the sense of we can give the team coverage in a way that nobody else covers the team, in a yep. way that's free to the team, in yep. a way that benefits the team because it gives the listeners of ours unprecedented access because a dream I have is to be able to go on the field and ask players questions. I'm not going to be like, hey, yo, what, Mike Trout, you're 0 for 12. What the hell's wrong with you? But, yeah. you know, I want to be able to ask some questions that I know some other people won't. I like to be able to do some fun stuff like, hey, we're going to ask Mike Trout, uh, you know, as many questions as we can in 30 seconds. For every question he answers in these 30 seconds, we'll donate, you know, $10 to charity. Like, I'd like to do fun stuff like that. Things that just, you know that are different, but um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we could see if that we, ever happens. Yeah. You and I could ramble on this topic of just the basic theories and principles of what the angels front office should be. And maybe one day we'll all get lucky and you and me and Todd and James and, and the whole Heedy community and Catelacronic community pull our money together and we buy out Artie Moreno. That would be the dream, right? We there run we the go. Team. Everyone grab yeah. their nickels. Yeah, you know, grab the nickels, <laughs> grab the pennies, save it for a rainy day. But we could talk about this all, you know, all day long. And and I know the fans listening probably feel the same exact way. And if you don't, shame on you. Just kidding. But you know, it, it it's what we <laughs> want working. for the for the betterment of Angels baseball. And right now, we are in a time where the Angels are two games out of first place, thirty five games in the season, a nineteen and sixteen record. The offense has been good. The pitching has been suspect at best, looking to, looking to improve. Keywords here. Not, not take harsh criticism, but improve. And make the postseason for the first time since 2014. I know we say this each and every year, but I'm going to be dead honest. And if I'm eating crow later in the, in, in the late summer, early uh, fall in September, you know, I'll, I'll admit to it. 
I think this team that the Angels have right now, with some tweaks and improvements, can be the best shot the Angels have had in a while of making the postseason. I really do believe that. Just get yeah, the I... pitching, get the pitching on. The offense will have its one or two days every other week that it just doesn't function, but that's baseball. Good pitching trumps good hitting. But if the pitching can just get right, the Angels can compete. The AL East is tough, but the Yankees are going nowhere right now. The Red Sox are coming up hot. The AL Central is 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 dog mess. One team's coming out of that. This can be a time in the Houston Astros are scuffling. Take advantage of where you need to. And I think that's where the Angels got to do it starting this week and with this Houston series. Take advantage of a limp Astros team. Go to uh, go to Cleveland, who has good pitching but bad hitting. Find a way to win. And then guess what? If the Angels can emerge out of that road trip, splitting a four-game set with Baltimore, I might, you know, I'm not going to try to put on a thong like Todd was going to do. But I will be gracious <laughs> if you could take two of three from Houston, two of three from Cleveland, and split the Baltimore series and win six of ten. I will be thrilled with that because that would put us at 25 and 20. Okay, okay. How about this? How about this? So if we if we win the month of May, so we have a winning record at the tailgate, July 1st. I want to make an ice cream sundae inside of a hat. It'll be a random hat, so we won't have to use one of yours. And you got to put it on top of your head. So there'll be ice cream in there. There'll be whipped cream in there. There'll be like some, some, some cherries on there. You just got to put it on your head. I I will say the lux the luscious locks are short right now. Just got it cut a couple weeks ago, but I get my hair cut you no know, mostly every eight weeks or so, so it's pretty quick. I will agree to it instead of in the hat, if it's like a pie to the face. Okay, pie to the face. I, I always I, I, like the, an ice cream to the face because for me, ice cream will get down the back and in the. Yeah, I'd rather have okay, a nice. Okay. A nice dunking. I'll give you the pie. I'll bring the pie tin for it. And okay. You just All right. Slap it. If the Angels win in the month of May. The month of May. You know, so right now, what are let's, let's get the situation set up for the fans here. What are the Angels right now in the month of May? As we take a look here, as I bring it up somewhere but surely here, you know, technology is only so good so often here, folks. But so far through yeah. the month of May, you know what? That's not going to work. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to get the full schedule here. Da, na, 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 na. Okay, here we go. Keep in May. mind, during the offseason, I'm the guy who uh, who said that I would donate $500 if Anthony Rendon was top 10 in MVP votes. So, as of right <laughs> now, we're just... still healthy. So Yeah, I know. Uh, the Angels <laughs> won the first four games of May and lost the next two. So the Angels are four and two in the month of May thus far. Odds be ever in your favor. These are the rest of the opponents for the month of May. Three with Houston, three with Cleveland, four Baltimore, three Minnesota, three Boston, which I will be at the game Monday, May 22nd at the Angels-Red Sox game, which completes seeing every American League team at Angel Stadium in my life. I'm happy about that. And then they finish off May with Miami at home and then the White Sox on the road that series wraps up on the last day of May, the 31st, a day game against the White Sox. So I have a feeling on that Wednesday, that day game, that night, we probably should hop on either a live or a podcast and record that and get that on record. 
neither neither here nor there. But four and two start. The key is winning series, not sweeping, but winning series. I could have some ice cream in the face. It would be very interesting. And July first again is that tailgate when the Angels it take is. on the air when the Angels take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Seven oh seven first pitch, and it's a bobblehead night for your Halos, probably wearing the beach weekend uniforms. I am flying Come out on. for that game. So. Exactly. Come on out. Not only see Fernando, the Lone Star Halo, but potentially an ice cream in the kisser of Catella Chronicles' own Dominic Lorenz. I'm going to try to get some fun giveaways, too. I want to try to see if we can raffle off some free signing baseball. We will bring out the cornhole games. We will bring out a bunch of stuff. But virtually here on Zoom, not a handshake, but a high five. I will high five Fernando via the Zoom and agree to that deal if the Angels have a winning record. Now, the push is, what if the Angels end 500? I don't know how many games they have in May, if it's equal. But if it's equal and the Angels end at 500, Let's uh, that's that's agree to a bottle of water dunked on each other's head. Is that okay? okay? All right, we fine. each got to get something. So either way, it's gonna be um, cold as hell that day. Watch, it's gonna be like July first. It's gonna be like forty degrees somehow. <laughs> like, or it'll be thunder. That that, tur- that thunder random storm that happens in SoCal. But if the Angels have a winning record, <sighs> Fernando gets to put ice cream, the toppings, you know, everything onto the face face okay you know you know face for radio here folks if we go even <laughs> i i don't know if the angels have an even number of games but if they do and we're not going to count right now but if they go even we both get a bottle of water dumped on our head uh Great. you know we know and then if the angels end up having a losing record this is all you know you know maybe we'll have to rig you know, maybe we'll rig Todd into this in some way, shape, or form and do a double down bet at the end of the day. Yeah, but we don't want to cheer for a losing season. So no, no, not for, or a, for a losing season. month. But a losing once month. we once we get to the middle of May and we get a trajectory of where the Angels are at, maybe we'll have to do a double or nothing bet that has to include Todd. Okay. He doesn't have to know about it, but we'll include him in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> we can just volunteer him. I mean, he's already been volunteered for uh, for was it a banana in the butt? And banana for, in the uh, butt for a, what is that? A World Series win? Or a playoff win. I forget. I think it was a World Series win. He gets a banana in his booty. All right. Well, (laughs) you know, from banana. Speaking of bananas in the booty, let's uh, let's get to one of our last two topics, and we'll keep these short because I know we're going long here. We'll go Uh, rapid fire style. Oakland A's going to Las Vegas. What are your initial thoughts? Let's try to keep it short because this is going to be a discussion topic for the rest of the year, next couple years. I'll keep it one a few sentences, no discussion after that. This is my one stance on it. Not surprised. It's going to happen. Vegas is going to be psychotic in the sense of trying to travel there. It's going to be a nightmare with football, baseball, hockey, AAA baseball, all the new arenas. And Vegas is psychotic, which I think will help Oakland because look at the Vegas Golden Knights. Look at the Raiders. They're getting fan bases, and, tr- and the AAA ballpark for the A's out there in, in Vegas has one of the uh, uh, higher-rated uh, attendances, excluding the summer. I'm still, sidebar, quick sidebar, I'm still waiting for the first minor league team to create a dome in these hot areas, just saying. Um, but yeah, it's going to happen. I think it'll be good for Oakland. It'll suck for Oakland, but the ownership did it to themselves. They have possums in the press box. What more do you need to get the heck out? 
I think it'll be great. <laughs> I think it'll be great for Vegas. Sucky for Oakland because all Oakland's going to have left is nothing except for <laughs> the, the except for the uh, 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 Warriors, but that's in San Francisco and the Giants. So really, Oakland's clinging on the A's. But yeah, I mean Oakland's main export. You know, because a big export town is crippling depression. So uh, unfortunately, this will this will remain for them. But yeah. um, let's be honest here for a second, folks. You know, Oakland A's fans, uh, they don't exactly show up in, in droves anymore. No, uh, they they don't get much attendance anymore. It's it's time, I think. Uh, and let's be honest. I mean. It's going to be better for baseball to have a team in Las Vegas than it is to have a team in Oakland. And don't believe me, the team's been in Oakland, and there's a reason why Major League Baseball kind of wants them to, to go to Las Vegas, right? Yeah. There's more uh, endorsements that are going to come out of it. The team is going to have a lot more money in theory. Um, Player, players they... will want to go to it. Exactly. It's a destination. If, if Oakland's GM and owner will up the payroll and actually be competitive. Too. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, you know, they'll probably say something on the lines of, oh, of course we will. We're going to be in a better market. But I mean, realistically, something's going to have to they'll give. get one. They'll get one big player. That's it. It's, it's a one player by player basis. Yeah, exactly. We're going to pay Tony Kemp a ton of money. And that's it. Um, yeah. So 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 we'll see. But realistically, I, I see this being a much better move for Major League Baseball. You know, there's a lot of A's fans who are like, oh, well, you know, owners have to approve this. What owner, maybe besides Arthur Moreno, is going to say <laughs> no, because he seems to vote no on everything, is going to say no to getting a team out of Oakland and moving to Las Vegas? He this is a better business opportunity Artie for Major loves, League Baseball. Artie loves going incognito to Oakland to watch the Angels and staying at the greatest hotel, like the Best Western, right next to the possum-filled Best Western in Oakland. Why go to Vegas in a beautiful hotel when you'll go to the Best Western in Oakland? Yeah, That's already exactly. mindset. The best, the best Western Plus. Yeah, right. But I think or the all... the Motel Six Studio. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and all those hotels. But in all, I think. <laughs> Moving Oakland to Vegas will be good for them, good for a fan base, bring in new fans, and Angel fans will travel to Vegas, no problem. Uh, a lot of a lot of fans, and especially now with this calendar for baseball, you're facing everybody at least once. You'll get Padre fans, Dodger fans, Mets fans. You'll get people coming out to Vegas to vacation, and especially in the Absolutely. summer, you'll get a, you'll get a good. So I think at the end of the day, does it suck for the the, the diehards in Oakland? Sure. But it, it's better for baseball. Better for baseball. Absolutely. No no way around that. Um, okay. So speaking no way around, let's get to our last topic of the night. Go for the it. The Anaheim Ducks. Now, you are Catilla Chronicles. Follow the Catilla Chronicles for the best Angels and Ducks coverage cohesively there. They do a great job. Um, let's talk about the lottery draft for the Ducks. Now, the Ducks do have the best odds of getting the first overall pick. They are guaranteed a top three pick. Now, before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about the fact that no matter what, the Ducks here are going to get a generational type talent. The top three picks here are great for this yep. year's NHL draft. So with that being said, I still don't think the Ducks get the first overall pick. And the reason for that 
as we both mutually agreed. I mean, you know, there's been some uh, some conspiracies in the past about this being rigged. I find it extremely likely that the Chicago Blackhawks are going to get the first overall pick. I mean, yeah. wouldn't that just be perfect for them? They just lost Patrick Kane, and now all of a sudden they're going to get, you know, Patrick Kane 2.0. Yeah, the Ducks, 25.2% odds to get the number one pick. That's a quarter, a little more than a quarter of the lottery balls in the case are having the Ducks logo slapped on them right now. You know, Odds say the Ducks are going to get Connor Bedard, who's the number one prospect coming out of Canada. He's supposed to be the next, I don't know what, Wayne Gretzky S Hall of Fame type player. Love it. All three players that are supposedly going to go one, two, three in the draft are going to be Hall of Fame worthy, you know, generational talents. They'd be number one picks in any draft. You know, that's how the scenario is. It's a great group and a great draft class this year. And the Ducks are privileged to get any three of them. But Connor Bedard is the prize. His jersey is hopefully being prepped in Ducks black and orange right now. But <laughs> the Blackhawks scare me. And I don't mean that in a social buzzing mentality. The, the Chicago Blackhawks scare me a little bit because of the nepotism in the NHL. They're one of the big first franchises in NHL history. They've had a down couple of seasons. And when they do well, viewership comes into the NHL's money pockets. The Ducks are great on the West Coast, but it's that East Coast first West Coast mentality. Would I love to have Connor Bedard? Do I think the Ducks are going to get Connor Bedard? Yes. But what is the one threat to the Ducks? It's the Blackhawks. Somehow, I forget what their percentage is. I want to say like 16, like almost less than 10% less than the Ducks or almost 10% less balls in the air. Watch them swoop in out of nowhere. I'm not afraid of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm not afraid of the San Jose Sharks getting that pick. I'm not even afraid, no offense, of the Coyotes miraculously getting that pick. <laughs> yes. He <laughs> went there. It's the Blackhawks that I'm worried about. And, you know, when all said and done, if the Ducks end up getting the number one pick, this is the draft in any sport. There is no conversation about check the scouting report. When they're on the clock, who they're picking. No, it's the name is getting submitted to the NHL committee that moment. Oh, don't worry. They'll still wait five minutes, you know. Oh, yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna, they'll, they'll wait the time to announce the pick. Build the <laughs> It's going to be Connor Bedard. Yeah. So, you know, if the Ducks get the number one pick, no surprise. It's going to be Connor Bedard. There's maybe a one zillionth chance that they don't go Bedard. That would be a lot. They go Adam Fantilli? Yeah, Ventilli or whoever else, but Bedard's the number one pick. The Ducks should get him. The odds say they should have that pick, but the one team I'm scared of is the Blackhawks because of supposed rigging, or like the NFL says, the script has been written. Yeah. Who will the yeah. script? Who will the NHL script have written tomorrow, or tomorrow being Monday, May the eighth? When this today, when you guys down. are listening to this, when this comes out, exactly <laughs> as we record this on Sunday night, um, who yeah. will get this? I believe the draft lottery is at 5 p.m. Or, or something. I don't know. It's on ESPN or TNT or something before the playoff games. But if the Ducks can get it, it'll be a coup for the franchise because this will be, I want to say, their first first overall pick. I think since the expansion draft when they began in '93, uh, that's huge within itself. 
And they also have some of the most money available in the free agent market amongst all NHL teams going into this offseason. You get Bedard, you could easily bring in two or three big money candidates and jumpstart this Ducks rebuild right away, even to compete for a wild card or a top three division next season. So this hopefully this rebuild is short and us Duck fans don't have to live through the last two seasons and a season where they had the worst record in franchise history. Well, for uh, unfortunately for me and my Coyotes, uh, we'll, we're still about a year or two away from uh, there being much progress towards any playoff talks. But um, if you are interested in Ducks coverage, and I'm sure the lo- the uh, lottery coverage later this evening when you guys are listening to this, Catella Chronicles, follow them on Instagram, Twitter as well. And of course, if you want to listen to their past episodes, they are available here on the Halos in the Infield Network. Make sure to subscribe since, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably already subscribed. But uh, Dominic, anything closing here as we wrap up? Angels, like I said, need to go out and win series. Take two of three from Houston. Take two of three from Cleveland. We'll forward think a little bit. At least split the Baltimore series before coming back home for that country weekend against the Twins and the Red Sox. I think it'll be huge to go six and four. That'll up their month of May record, which is standing at four and two. And if if you're listening to the podcast, or even if you fast forwarded to this part because you just want to for some reason, if the Angels have a winning record in May, I will be ice creamed in the face by Fernando at the tailgate on July 1st. That'll be fun, sticky fun in that mm-hmm. manner with some ice cream in the toppings. But, you know, to go six and four, they're four and two, that would put them at 10 and six in the month of May. Not great. You want to be better than that, but we got to take baby steps with this Angels team right now. The offense is good. The pitching needs to improve. Let's take it game by game right here and win series. And first thing, you got to take care. I always say you got to take care of the teams within your division. Now that we see less division opponents this year, go take advantage of a limping Houston Astros team. Take two of three at least. A sweep would be grand, but two of three would be key. That's my thoughts. You hear that? This man wants to get whipped cream to the face with ice cream and all the fixings and the toppings. Yep. But um, yeah, I get we, to choose. We got to get I, through the months of May first. I want to choose at least one of the toppings though that will at least taste good when it goes into the facial region. Okay, that's fine. We can discuss that. <laughs> but um, up for negotiation. Yeah, that exactly, exactly. I don't want it to be completely unpleasant. So uh, that's going to do it out of us tonight, folks. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, 714 Tickets. If you need tickets to any event, head on over to 714 Tickets where there's never any hidden fees like the other guys. Go today or call today. Go tonight. Use code HITI at checkout. H-I-T-I for 10% off. You also get 5% back for future purchases. You can use that code again and again and again the same way that comedians use their jokes again and again and again. And uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on all of our social medias. That's at Halos in the Infield, as well as their friends over at Catella Chronicles. And Dominic, for anybody who wants to follow your personals, what are they? Well, for Catella Chronicles, again, Twitter and Instagram at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. Check out our website for some good content, www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com. For myself personally, if you're intrigued at angels, ducks, anything, country music, 
or even high school baseball with Huntington Beach Oilers baseball. I'm the voice of the Oilers this season. I'm privileged to have that. But you can check me out on Twitter at SportsMouth95. Uh, and for whatever reason you want to follow me, I mean, for Twitter, just follow Halos in the infield. I'm the one who runs the Twitter. My personal <laughs> Instagram is the real Fernando Mendez, or I'm trying to get the Lone Star Halo thing going again. I, I've been posting a lot more on that Instagram. So that the follower account for that's been going up a little bit. So thank you guys so much. Have a great day and Viva Los Angelitos.